0: You could just buy a Mac and then buy another one when that one breaks down. And then say, it's just this one Mac. And then when that one died, I said, in fact, to my wife, there's nothing wrong with Apple. My Macintosh, I used it wrong. Something I did to my Macintosh broke the motherboard. So I bought another one and that one died too. My wife said, I think it's time you to go buy one of these main gear machines. They're beautiful. But I said, no, it's nothing wrong with my Mac. When that one died, I said, well, three Macs that died in a row doesn't mean a design problem. It means I'm using it wrong. I've learned that from being a Mac user for a long time. There's no way Apple could do anything wrong. I mean, come on. Are you a PC fanboy? Nothing Apple has ever done in its entire existence is wrong, ever. So that's why I buy Macs every month. More on MacLife.com. control structure episode 69 for september 9th 2014 a big week to everyone listening the show does have show notes visit the nexus.tv slash cs69 to see them uh, i am your host andrew bailey and this is your other host Stephen orvis hi hi so i think i should probably uh vary that intro a little bit it's getting kind of uh Boring and stale.
1: It is the same every time. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I kind of like variety in my life.
1: You know, not not necessarily change, just variety. You so, could try singing it backwards, like you know those videos on the internet with people sing backwards and you reverse it, and then it's forwards. Oh, maybe I'll do that. Like do that during the uh, the
0: intro music. That that be that'd, yes. That sound really psychedelic.
1: There you go. Like that fade in good. and out.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So, hey, uh, speaking about variety, um, I like variety at work. And, uh, you know, especially because, I don't know, we have maybe about four, five, maybe six clients or so. Like, uh, it's not uncommon for me to have, like, different uh, browser tabs open for, like, two or three different clients at a time. Um, And it turns out that I also like uh, a variety of uh, locations to work from. Uh, Which, in this case, I am actually been working from home for a little over a week now. uh, Because my car is being painted, so that is unavailable to me. Uh, So that should be uh, finished tomorrow, uh, which will probably be by the time you hear this. Uh, We're recording on Tuesday night, so yeah, probably sometime Wednesday, hopefully. uh, It'll be uh, finished, and I'll have my brand new car! At least it'll look like it.
1: So do you change colors, or do you keep the...
0: Uh, keep it the same uh, but you know the hood was looking very uh, uh, like very faded so and plus uh, everyone tends to have an aversion to red cars and, <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see i I was uh, talking to I think it was Chris's mom uh, that she was saying you know uh, you know red cars get picked up uh, white cars you lose them in the snow uh, black cars uh, they get uh, you lose them in the dirt essentially and gray cars you lose them in the slush
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know what not to paint your car (laughs) so
0: I'm like okay you can't really win with that (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah uh, pretty weird that so uh, uh let's see there's uh, been some interesting things going on uh during working hours uh but uh you know instead you know because i'm not driving to work every morning uh instead i take a walk around my apartment complex so you know yep. hey and then uh and then in the evenings when i can i go and walk around the uh, park right next to the apartment uh, so, yeah, it's not like I'm, you know, stuck here and I never go outside or anything.
1: Beat sitting in traffic and driving.
0: And now for this week's LOL Apple. <laughs> hey, it's Tuesday the 9th. And apparently, earlier today, Apple did one of their uh, famous keynote speech- speeches somewhere, probably California. And it's, you know, those one of those things that everyone loses their minds over. Oh, Apple! New iPhone! Oh, I must have it! You know, you know how people do that.
1: Yeah, yes, this those is, people.
0: Yes, and this is one of those times. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, I sort of watched it vicariously. I uh, watched Maximum PCs uh, stream uh, with you know all of their reactions. So Q Gordon's sarcasm about Apple zealots—that uh, was uh, uh, quite a tasteful, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I uh, just uh, listened to the uh, Innuendo Show this past week, and uh, they sort of lamented the fact that there are like hardly any gaming podcasts anymore. Uh, but uh, at least Maximum PC still does their podcast. You know, about once every two weeks or so, uh, about the same as our schedule. Uh, so you know, just when you thought that you know they weren't doing it anymore, hey, there's another one. <laughs> so.
1: Uh, do you know much about sorting algorithms? I did have a class in college where we learned some of them. I'm not sure if I remember much than a bubble sort, and I've forgotten the names of most of the other ones.
0: Uh, well, quick sort—that's uh, like the most important one. Uh, but uh, uh, someone has made a video uh, that sh- you know sort of animates uh, all of these various sorting algorithms and how they work and you know like given an array you know uh, you know like horizontally you know it's like positions in an array and then the vertical is the uh the values therein and like he starts out with uh, like a lot of random values and then you know performs these sorting algorithms on it to uh, you know sort it all out
1: uh, you, you you can see that that i was watching it, it was showing the insertion sor- sort and that was familiar, and, and it's working the way I remembered it working. Yeah, and then the uh, merge sort uh, is one I remember as well. What's one called where it's like, it wise off into branches? Like use, I think it uses recursion, so it's like... Uh, it, t- it breaks it down to two elements pretty much, so it's like it does A or B bigger, and then it it breaks it up, and it, it it's like all these different branches coming up. Is it more merge sort? Is that what it is? Because it's basically merging all the branches together. Uh, probably. It might be. Yeah. Um.
0: So yeah, and then quick sort uses that pivot value, so which uh, you know is pretty ingenious of uh, how that was designed.
1: Yeah, I think merge sort is the one that I remember because I am I'm just hit that point, and I'm watching it, and it, it definitely is how it works. So, and, uh, like, unfortunately, it doesn't really go into
0: multi-threaded sorts, although for our large data sets, uh, multi-threading could come in handy. And I think yes. that, uh, like, a merge sort would be a prime candidate
1: for that. Yeah, it does seem like you could do that with threading, because you could do, you know, whatever, however many... Processors you have, you could take those many chunks off and have them sort their respective areas. That would make a lot of sense. Um, but
0: I've noticed that uh, uh, let's see, like for data sets less than like a hundred thousand, that firing up extra threads actually uses more time than actually just single threading it all. Past what I forgot, hundred thousand, a hundred thousand threads, hundred thousand elements. Uh-huh. So. Like, I forget exactly what I was doing, but it seems that 100,000 is sort of the magic number. Uh, anything mm. there or below, you're just better off using a single thread because spinning up those extra threads in the CPU costs time.
1: Yeah. I, I know uh, the Microsoft.NET library has like a as parallel function, and it's not guaranteed to even do it in parallel. It supposedly does the best. Like if, amount for what you're doing.
0: Yeah, like if there's something already there. If there's yeah, a so thread if it's like, already there, yeah.
1: Yeah, if it's like two elements or something to process it, it, it'd be smart about it and know it's not even makes sense to do it. Or it looks at how many processors are on your system too and determines the optimal number of processors to make use of.
0: So uh, let's go on a little bit forwards here and talk about Chrome. Hey, that uses a lot of threads. Um, so SHA1. It's- it's a cryptographic hash uh function uh that not sure if we've told chris about this uh, <laughs> but uh so sha1 is uh pretty old it, i'm pretty sure it dates back to like the early 90s um, uh, in the so Google Chrome is going to be removing support for SHA-1 hash uh, algorithms in SSL certificates. Uh, so after, I think it would be like the first of the year, maybe, uh, Chrome 41, uh, like any uh, certificate that uses SHA-1 will be flagged as insecure, like even though it has you know an HTTPS certificate and it would work mm-hmm. otherwise. Uh, like it'll be insecure.
1: Yeah, so it's going to make make the users freak out about it and be like, "Oh, this isn't safe to use this website," which is a good thing because it's going to put pressure on the sites that aren't secure.
0: Uh, but uh, look at how well Heartbleed has uh, gone. Apparently, uh, half of the servers that were vulnerable were vulnerable are still vulnerable. And interesting, I'm pretty sure that someone somewhere will, you know, have a server running that will be vulnerable to Heartbleed for decades.
1: It's likely.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're still using Pearl, uh, Pearl, no, Cobol, Fortran, you know, and like all of this other old stuff, they're cockroaches, they won't go away. At this point, I'm pretty sure Heartbleed is a cockroach.
1: Yes, it it should have been addressed by now, but you still get those people that don't care or they don't have the money they feel to address it. Besides, no one's going to attack them. So, Or
0: just neglected servers that uh, somehow had walls built around them and no
1: one knows where they are because, (laughs) you know, no one can see them. They they built the building around them and forgot about them. (laughs) Yeah. Where's this network cable go to? Who knows? Uh, Don't cut it. Leave it be. So, uh,
0: if you're thinking that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Google is being a little bit aggressive with this and deprecating something that was otherwise fine, uh, well, apparently Microsoft announced a similar plan back in 2012. Uh, in fact, up, uh, let's see, but, uh, you know, as said, Google's will be a little more aggressive. Uh, but I think, uh, Microsoft will extend that out to
1: 2016. I saw someplace the numbers were 2016, so it must have been the Microsoft one, because Google was next year. I think you might be right. So, yeah,
0: the new policy will no longer allow root certificate authorities to issue X509 certificates using SHA-1 for the purposes of SSL and code signing after January 1st, 2016. Uh, So that's the uh, Microsoft root certificate program. So I'm guessing this would affect, you know pretty much everything uh, that would use, like, the built-in Windows APIs. So, you know, definitely Internet Explorer and, like, any other kind of, uh, you know, connection in, uh, like, actual Windows itself.
1: So so it's it's an interesting question. Where is Firefox and all this? Do they have any plans to do a similar thing?
0: Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I have not heard of anything yet. So... And then there's, you know, of course, uh, you know, Apple and Safari. Um, And then I'm pretty sure Opera is uh, in with Google, uh, you know, because of Blink, but I'm not sure. Um, So uh, here's some more background information on why SHA-1 is such a bad idea for HTTPS now. Um, So basically, in 2012, uh, Jesse Walker wrote an estimate reprinted by Bruce Shiner, of the cost to forge an SHA1 certificate. The estimate uses AWS pricing and Moore's law as a baseline. A Walker's estimate suggested that an SHA1 collision would cost 2 million dollars in 2012, 700,000 in 2015, 130 uh see 173,000 in 2018 and 43,000 in 2021. Based on these numbers, Shiner suggested that an organized crime syndicate would be able to forge a certificate in 2018, and the university could do it by 2021. So, yeah, it's just because, uh, you know, just the you know, the power of computers nowadays is, you know, sufficient enough to brute force it in a reasonable time if someone really wanted to uh, make a collision.
1: Yes. That's kind of like a core problem with a lot of algorithms, Is ultimately, as the computers get faster, it's going to be more and more of an issue. Yeah. Then once they figure out the quantum computing thing, that might be a really big issue then. So you have to use uh, I forget what it
0: was Gates's law. Uh, You know, it's it's the counter to Moore's law. So you know, Moore's law is you know the doubling of transistors, but everyone thinks it's the doubling of computing power. That's not necessarily the case though. Uh, Gates's law is. Uh, software gets twice as slow every two
1: years. (laughs) This is true. It's like, we have so much RAM, what are we gonna do with it? I know!
0: (laughs) The speed of software halves every 18 months, okay? Uh, That's a subsection on Worth's Law. In other words, we're not going any <laughs> Uh Well, actually, you know, if you know, uh, like, what Windows is doing and what you, like, really don't care for, you can go in and disable it and, you know, like, choose your software carefully and don't have things running in the background all the time. You know, I have noticed that the computer I have now is vastly, you know, vastly faster in everyday responsiveness uh, than, say, like, 10 13 years ago
1: i, I do feel like the, the windows 8 in some ways is better than some of the older ones as much as the ui isn't nice but things like the solid state drives that's what's going to make things faster do load up your programs with that
0: definitely and uh you know i've uh, actually given mom a uh, solid state drive hi mom and uh you were talking about ebay earlier And, uh, like, I actually went on eBay and bought a new motherboard, because apparently the one I uh, bought for my mom and dad is kind of cheap, and it doesn't like to shut down properly.
1: (laughs) Sort of those ones that that when you shut it down, the orange letters come (laughs) off, and it says, safe to turn off your computer now. uh, Or the Linux equivalent thereof. Um, Uh Oh,
0: right, I forgot you put Linux in it. So... Like, they have to uh, hold the power button for a couple seconds in order for it to, you know, fully turn off. Uh, But uh, I got an Intel board, so hopefully that will uh, behave uh, quite a bit better. So, uh, going forward here, you've heard of those workplace perks uh, that famous huge tech companies have, right?
1: Oh, yes. I've heard Google, that they have, like, a gym in there, and... I think I heard about daycare too once. Not positive on that one. I heard like they have a bus to come pick you up from work and lots of things. And, uh, you know, the uh, full service restaurant that you can eat for free. Oh, yes. uh,
0: And and if not that, then uh, free pop for everyone. Um, But uh, apparently a very small minority have, uh, you know, started taking interesting advantages of them, uh, specifically by living at work. And, like, not having an apartment or a house or anything. Uh, So, uh, you know, there's been a discussion on Quora uh, about, you know, how long has someone lived on the Google campus. Um, Or at least, uh, if not on the Google campus, then, like, how long has someone lived out of an RV? Uh, Apparently, the record is, like, two or three years for an RV. Uh, so technically, you weren't supposed to live at the office, but people got around that by living in their cars in the parking lot or on the Shoreline (laughs) parking lot. Uh, one guy lived in the camper for two to three years. He showered at the gym. He did his laundry on campus. He ate every meal there he could. After the two to three years, he had saved up enough money to buy a house.
1: So, so it's not like he's, he's living there permanently. He, He had a goal in mind. He was heading for his house and he was using that as a way to save money.
0: Yeah, um... So where's Google's security in all of this? Uh Disco says that a security guard came by once during his stay at the Googleplex, learned that he was an employee, and never came back. So I had an I had a house payment and alimony to pay. No money left over for South Bay rental prices. Uh he got a custom conversion van for eighteen hundred dollars. Uh, blue velour, wood paneling, uh, previously tricked out, and that, roughly speaking, that was my entire rent for 13 months. Uh, uh, he put IKEA mattresses in his car and used curtains to black out the light. So, um, and then here's an interesting quote: Silicon Valley, where a highly paid 100 to 200 thousand uh, dollar engineers sleep in cars to save money on obscenely expensive rent.
1: Is that the article that mentioned it was like $3,000 a month for the rent or something like that? Yeah. It's like, that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Um, Newsflash apparently San Francisco has a higher average, you know, uh, apartment rent uh, than Manhattan does. You know, of course, on Manhattan, you can see why. I mean, it's an island. Uh, But apparently, in San Francisco, Mm. they stopped building apartments about 30 years ago. So hmm. like they've used up all the space that they, you know, want to, you know, you know, because it's California, they're all environmental people and they want the mm-hmm. green spaces. uh So like they stopped building out there and now demand has gotten so high, but not necessarily demand, uh you know, like apparently Silicon Valley has crept up to San Francisco now. So there's a lot of people being paid like $150,000 a year. So, uh, rent prices go up to where the market can bear, and apparently $3,000 a month is what the market can bear out there. So, that's, like, one of the, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, reasons why people are anti-tech over there, is because, like, Uh, they're pricing everyone else out of the market.
1: Because there's so much money that those guys have that no one else can dare to compete with. Yeah. Interesting.
0: It's like, well, I can afford this, so and the people who can't leave. And there's also been very rare cases that, uh, like, landlords have actually kicked people out of their apartments because they wanted to move in tenants that could pay more. So that's a problem.
1: Yeah, sounds like there's just too many people in one spot.
0: Well, that and, like, too much money in one spot also.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: So, like, if you can get out, uh, you know, instead of paying $3,000 a month, you can pay $3,000 on, like, a used RV and...
1: One time. <laughs>
0: yeah. And just live out of that. So, I've heard that, you know, a lot of old people, like, retired people, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, buy an RV, sell their house, and just drive around.
1: Yeah. You have the flexibility to go visit your kids or whatever, and, and then it's, like, your house r- right there with you, which isn't and, that bad of an idea.
0: And uh, I apparently I've heard that Walmart will let people just park their RVs in the parking lot overnight.
1: I've heard that before. I've heard that. So, so, th- so there you go, Andrew. You're looking for a place to move to. There's a there's an <laughs> RV for sale. If you go up 980, uh, just in the north north of Hendersonville. Is it Hendr- Yeah, Hendersonville. There you go, north of it there. And uh, there's an RV for sale, four thousand dollars. You can park in Walmart. No more rent. Cheap. Um,
0: yeah, but I also have certain, you know, comforts that require a,
1: sort of need a non-mobile space. You can get internet, like, on Wi-Fi, you know, you just well, borrow yeah, the neighbors, or... It's Wi-Fi, that's slow, All right, and... I forgot I'm... you have your 60 megabytes downloads, meg- megabits download speed. Yeah,
0: plus I have these three <laughs> monitors here. And I'm pretty sure you can't actually run a server out of an RV effectively.
1: Well, I mean, as long as your connection's always on, you can do like the solar panels on the roof.
0: <laughs> can,
1: uh, you can host. Your, there you go. You, the server you can move it to a Raspberry Pi, and then you can host. You can have the solar panels on the roof. I think a Pi, uh, what is it? I forget how many watts it uses as a day. But anyways, like a 60 watt solar panel. Yeah. And, like a full volt battery is all you need that could power your Pi for the day. So,
0: uh, here's some, uh, tips, actually given out here. I believe this guy, uh, was over somewhere in, uh, England somewhere. Um, yes. so, he is see, 18 point list. Here's, uh, actually shows his van. Uh, collected some highlights of the advice. Get a small camper slash van that can park in one parking space with a diesel heating system. Kitchen is irrelevant. Bed, toilet, heating system, space to sit, and type slash space for clothes. Um, you need a toilet, but usually you can time your bowel movements to only need it (laughs) as a urinal. Unless you decide to go for crazy hot curry. Uh, no, it's not hot to invite a girl to the back of your van in a car park. Uh... Be proud of what you are doing. The limited space you have frees you from clutter. Uh, do crazy things, like continue to run an eBay magic card sales business inside of it. Uh, go into stealth mode if possible. and No windows on the sides uh, or the roof. Uh, you want somebody to think that no one uh, lives there. Uh, always go for a van you can stand in. Uh, check your local drinking laws. Uh, in the UK, sleeping in the back of the van is legal if you're drunk. Uh, otherwise, if you're in there, you might be charged with drunk driving, even though you're not driving. Uh, uh-huh, which is uh, kind of funny. Uh, be social. Get out of there. Do not go into the van and lock yourself away and watch stuff on the internet. Get out. So, yeah, I've sort of taken that advice myself. So I've been
1: walking around quite a bit. So uh, it has like an extended version if you click the one link there uh-huh. and it has a couple other ones one of them says bank of leisure batteries in your van to drive the heater and give you laptop power can give you the power to live for weeks inside your van luckily i went home every weekend to recharge them if you can't get a power source connection friend etc then consider covering your roof and solar cells mm-hmm. just like I, we we're just talking about and it says unlimited mobile data plan that allows tethering of course it wouldn't be fast that's, that's the thing
0: yeah, uh, scout the areas and work out where to sleep. Sleeping on a road can mean you get traffic buzzing by you at 5 a.m. Uh, go find a really quiet ro- road or, you know, some off-site. Uh, use retail ca- park car parks if they don't have security patrols. Uh, remember you, uh, you're parking up at work during the day. You can really turn up after the gym at 8 p.m. or later and leave by 8 a.m. So, yeah, basically park during off hours. So. When
1: no one's going to care if you're there. It's creative and sounds like you know, definitely a way to save on their end. You <laughs> wouldn't have an address if we... Well, I guess you get a box in the post yeah, office. Yeah, P.O. box, yeah. Yeah. And that, that thread further down, uh, you
0: know, gives some other amazing advice. Um, like someone... Uh, let's see, I think... Uh, like where this guy was living, he was offered like $1,500 to leave his, uh, like leave his lease early, uh, because like the landlord wanted to improve it a little bit. Uh, so Uh he, so he started living at work for a few months because he was going to leave the country, you know, then. But apparently it stretched out to a little over a year. And, uh, mail was one of those points. And someone's like, a P.O. box. (laughs) So, yeah, interesting stuff there. So now, introducing standard markdown. I mean, common markdown. I mean, common mark. Uh, so, uh, Jeff Atwood and a few other, uh, people and companies have been trying to work on a better, uh, markdown implementation. Uh, so they've been, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say upset, but disappointed by, uh, John Gruber's, uh, how should I say, uh, uh, how should I say caring of Markdown, you know, there hasn't really been any kind of bug fixes whatsoever since the original uh, implementation was released 10 years ago, you know, things, uh, you know, like overlapping italics and bold uh, sections along with, you know, overlapping those with actual HTML tags, like what should uh, take precedence. Uh, So apparently, uh, this has been, you know, a project that's been working on for about two years or so. Uh, so Jeff Atwood, you might know him from the guy behind uh, Stack Exchange, and uh, uh, see he's also uh, off to doing a discourse now, which is like a improved forum software. Uh, so a lot of other companies have gotten in on this, like GitHub and Reddit. Uh, you know, starting to improve, you know, uh, markdown. So apparently, it's uh, just about ready for prime time. Uh, so, uh, Jeff wrote a, uh, blog post, uh, I believe it was about a year, uh, about a year, about a week ago, uh, you know, sort of explaining all of this. Uh, so he put that up there and then John Gruber kind of got kind of mad because standard markdown means that this is some sort of like blessed successor or something. Uh, so he didn't really like that. And, uh, so they're like, okay, how about standard markdown, uh, so, you know, it's not, it's not that they did not invite John Gruber in to, you know, sort of collaborate with them. You know, apparently there's been like several, you know, attempts to contact him, but he just really can't be interested. Uh, mm. but now he's like getting kind of mad that someone's taking his baby away from him, I guess, which is kind of stupid because, you know, he can have his own thing. Uh, but, you know, other people are starting to use it. And, you know, like, they want to make improvements on it. So, like, they, you know, sort of have to have these other de facto implementations of it.
1: It's, it sounds like if he hasn't really fixed bugs and upgraded it for about 10 years, it sounds like he's kind of abandoned it. I mean, he may think in his mind that he's coming back to it someday. But the truth of it may be that he's not really going to come back to it.
0: yeah. Um, you know, the thing about, you know, if you release something that, you know, suddenly you have users and, you know, they need to sort of be taken care of. So, and if you stop caring for them, well, then, you know, they might go off and, you know, find a replacement or build their own replacement. So this is kind of what's happened. So, you know, apparently standard markdown wasn't good enough. Apparently, uh, John Gruber is fine with alternative Markdown implementations if they don't have Markdown in the name. Uh, so now everything is Common Mark. Uh, so this you know project tries to you know standardize the edge cases. And uh, one of the things that uh, Jeff Atwood really, uh, really wanted was some sort of a test suite uh, that a large group of people could agree on. So it was built by him and you know all the other. People, you know, building CommonMark—that's, uh, you know, essentially what it's supposed to be: a test suite. Uh, but there is a reference implementation. Uh, let's see. Right now, I think it's just JavaScript and uh, let's see, JavaScript and C implementations. Uh, apparently, it will be uh, ported to uh, other platforms and languages. Um, so right now, uh, like, I'm going to wait for a table and strike through support. Uh, before I start using it. I'm pretty sure that won't be long because, you know, GitHub is one of the backers of this, and their Markdown dialect features both of those things. So, and uh, apparently our favorite link blogger, Ryan, has uh, started blogging again, and uh, he's using Markdown now. So, uh, yeah, how how's it like using not HTML or whatever you were using before? Uh, apparently that was one of the questions he asked me when I started
1: using Markdown for my blog. So you were talking about the tests that they wrote. So do they essentially write tests that describe how it should work, and then they're just leaving up the different implementations to flow out of those tests? Is that the idea that they're... Yeah.
0: So uh, if you go to spec.commonmark.org, like that's the official specification. And, you know, it gives example inputs and outputs. And like the HTML that should be emitted, you know,
1: from a given markdown input, Ah, I see. So then you can write unit tests directly from that, and it describes how it should work. Yes. Okay.
0: So, like, uh, you know, there were all sorts of edge cases involving not just the bold and the italics, but also in Markdown you can just put HTML tags in there, uh, like, for things that it does not recognize. Okay, so then it has to support that,
1: too. Yeah. And not break it.
0: And then... Uh, you know, like what you, what you do when like code blocks and every other kind of block imaginable intersects with that. So, uh, generally I've not, uh, you know, like encountered, uh, anything too bad. Uh, but, uh, just, just today I, uh, edited my uh, latest blog post to, uh, like have, uh, stars like for footnotes or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so
1: apparently it supports black backslashes to like escape things. So then that's what you're using the backslashes on the stars to make them come through. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, you know, great that, uh, you know,
0: it's moving forward in that, you know, a lot of websites have, uh, you know, actually have input to this. Uh, so hopefully this will be, you know, again,
1: some sort of, you know, common, uh, dialect of Markdown. It's, it's good that they have the definition all laid out that, that, makes the pathway to do it so that does seem like a step towards making it common
0: oh and uh the thing that I like is that they have an official dingus dingus yeah uh try it out
1: who's it at
0: uh let's see uh where can I find it underneath their co- try dot common mark the official dingus which allows people to experiment so, um, yeah, apparently, you know, they're, uh, let's see, the current version of Common Mark spec is complete, two years in the making, uh, but, provis- but provisional pending public feedback testing and evaluation. Uh, we plan to announce a finalized 1.0 spec in- and the test suite in the next few months, along with implementations of many different languages. So, yeah, it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, so, hey, do you
1: remember uh, Unreal Engine 4? I do. They were moving to a subscription-based uh, pricing model where you'd pay, I forget what it was, like a month. 20 like 20 bucks a month or yeah, something? Yeah, it was really cheap per month, and you could use their, their modeling engine and uh, make stuff with it. Yeah, So, but now it's free for academic use. That's a pretty good deal. Better make it so that the, the colleges and places, it's actually they can teach it without having to break the bank on it, and yeah. people can get used to it. Before they get their job, they can be like, hey, I already know how to use this. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, the licensing is, like, really dirt cheap.
0: So, and, you know, kind of going back to, you know, why, like, all this is happening. uh, Let's see, like, over the past 10 years, maybe not quite 10 years, but, you know, over the vast majority of those 10 years, uh, Unreal Engine 3 has been used for so many video games, uh, but lately, uh, a lot of game studios and publishers have developed their own in-house engines, so they're not paying the license fees to uh, to Epic for Unreal Engine. Uh, so they're, you know, trying to like, uh, you know, do a fire sale,
1: if you will, on this. Trying to get people using it again. So that's the thing with a pricing model: you get your customer base back, and you can always up it again. And nothing says you can't turn it up next week and and get money once you have people hooked on it and stuck with it.
0: So, um I I'm pretty sure that, you know, the was it like the 5 or so percent royalty uh is fairly reasonable. Mhm. So, um you know, they they do that then, you know, they have a steady stream of money coming in that's, you know, not the uh purely, you know, code subscription.
1: It's not the big chunks, then it's that, yeah. So,
0: yeah, and, you know, the improved features, you know, that all looks great. Um, Like, I remember seeing a, uh, like, one of those demo reels where, you know, like, someone was actually, you know, like, modifying code and switching out dynamic libraries without actually shutting down the, uh, like, the running instance. Yeah, I think I remember that. They could hot-swap it live, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then like they were mentioning how their uh their art and content assets like how in Unreal Engine 3 they would have to like go through a cooking process to compile everything and that would take like 20 minutes or so uh whereas you know in Unreal 4 they can just you know do a slight modification and see it immediately so that's so definitely huge. going yeah that's definitely going to increase productivity and that right there I'm pretty sure is a killer feature
1: oh yes be just nice if they, they'd offer for free for people to just play around with. Well, I mean, 20 bucks a month. And you can just download it and try 20 bucks a month is damn near free. Yeah. Um, though it is true that it's for the subscription, so you could... I think we talked about this before. For you could do the 20 bucks, download the code, and then, then you have it to play with for the rest of the time just on your local machine without updates.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty good thing. It is. Uh, You know what else is a pretty good thing? What's that? Storage space. As long as it's backed up. Yes, but uh, this is probably a little bit too large for that. How about a seventy-one terabyte NAS? Like in just like network storage, just really a lot of it and really a lot like fast. Uh, So someone has actually done this uh, like for his own house, and uh, here's the breakdown of how it's set up uh so uh, let's see he let's see, i forgot which where the uh hard drives are but uh yeah it looks like he has eighteen uh <laughs> let's see twenty four four terabyte drives there we go and uh like he has uh z f. s being used here uh which is the uh like sort of like a next generation file system
1: and is that the one that has the when you copy a file and then modify it it only stores the diff that you were telling me at the one time. Uh, I think that was specifically uh, BTRFS. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, but ZFS is uh, quite similar. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see, he also has like a few uh, SSDs in here to boot off of. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, running Debian on this and uh, ZFS on all of those hard drives. And the uh, you know, what's done here is you know pretty amazing. He uh has actually had uh like a few RAID cards to support that many drives, you know, just to have you know extra serial ATA ports in his into. box. Yeah. Um. Apparently, this uses 200 watts at idle. And uh, let's see, let's see below here. It Actually, gives like more detailed power usage. Uh, 96 watts with the disks spun down. Uh, 176 uh, with them spinning, but idle. Uh, 253 when they're writing.
1: It doesn't sound too bad for that much wattage for considering what you have sitting there running.
0: Yeah, considering (laughs) that my graphics card uh, consumes a lot more than that. (laughs) uh, When it's running full blast anyway. Uh, So he's running uh, a Xeon CPU uh, at 3.3 gigahertz, uh, 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, he, and he has a bonded quad port gigabit Ethernet card. Uh, let's see a six hundred uh, eight, rather an eight hundred sixty watt uh, power supply, um, and it looks like maybe a four unit rack mount case, or maybe eight. It's it looks rather tall
1: there. It does look pretty tall. Um, so the, the interesting thing is it looks or not looks it says that uh, he built it for backing up media, primarily video. (laughs) So in other words, he watches a lot of movies. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, honestly, I was looking at this kind of stuff when planning to upgrade my own server, Uh, although what I ended up with was uh, vastly less, uh, namely 4 terabytes and uh, quite a few external hard drives to, you know, back it up. So, you know, it's pretty well backed up. Yeah. Uh. It's 80% full, which kinda shocked me when I checked that this evening. Uh, 3000 gigabytes used and 660 left. Uh, but I could delete about a terabyte and a half if I really needed to. Uh, you know, having copies of all your DVDs and stuff, you know, like ready to go, and having all those Steam backups are nice to have. But Steam isn't going away anytime soon, and I have uh, two- factor authentication enabled on my account. I'm uh, pretty sure that you know Steam is not going to shut down pretty soon. Yeah,
1: it seems like a growing company that's getting bigger.
0: yeah, and they've pretty much cornered the market, but they're like a benevolent uh, monopoly, I guess
1: it their games aren't expensive. They have the sales, they're in the summertime and stuff, and it's well pretty not much, that much every
0: money. every quarter they have a sale. Because they they have one at Christmas, or at least around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have like a
1: Halloween sale, and generally they have one in the spring also. I have to get the Stanley Parable. If you ever see it on sale, let me know. I need to get that one. That that is pretty good. Did you see me watching it? Did you see me uh, playing it there? Uh, No, I I did download the demo one time and and played after you told me about that, and I I like the demo. It definitely looks like a fun game. (laughs) Yeah. It's yep.
0: it definitely takes a different uh, uh, strategy to you know how a game is presented, <laughs> and uh, like, I'm not sure if it's in the demo at any point, but it messes around with the uh, with the level when you're not looking. Oh, really? Yeah, like for instance, you know, you see. I, I remember one point that you know you see a corner in the hallway up ahead, and uh-huh. but that's the only point, that's the only way forward, so you go around the corner, you go around another corner, you go around another corner and suddenly you're going around eight corners but you can't get out.
1: So it's like an infinite, it feels like you're stuck in an infinite uh, (laughs) corner rounding thing. Yeah. This shouldn't have this many corners. (laughs) Exactly. And then
0: at uh, another point, uh, like you go into this room where you're supposed to take the left door, Uh but... Uh, of course, you
1: took the right door.
0: Well, naturally. Um, <laughs> but if you uh, like do some other few things, suddenly there's like eight doors in this room. And uh-huh. he's like, "Okay, let's go on an adventure." So you go, <laughs> so you go through one of them, and you keep going in the same general direction, and you end up back in that same room. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I I love you know like messing with your head
1: like that it It's a great game because it takes advantage of what you can do with a virtual world where nothing's real is it yeah. it doesn't have to work the same way as real life would work i, I it can know, work its own way and
0: I wish more games you know messed with your head like that
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like a fun game. I heard it was on sale back in the summer summer steam sale, but I missed it <laughs> uh yeah, let's see, I'm not sure maybe it's like twelve bucks. it's not that much probably goes in the south of like two or something there doesn't it uh maybe
0: but you know it's it's like 10 12 bucks it's not that yeah. it's not that expensive
1: yeah i've got to find time to play it though too is the the next thing so <laughs> it's h empires 3 that i have to play and a few other games yeah i i did
0: get that during i think it was like the steam sale uh not steam sale uh recent humble bundle that was it uh so yeah i've I played
1: 39 hours of that, and that is a really short game. I only ever played, like, one or two scenarios in that, and then I, I never played anymore. It seems like a type of fun game that I would enjoy back when I had more time and stuff, but I don't know. I don't play quite as many video games of that. I play more tanks now, I guess.
0: We haven't, uh, had the garbage truck come by yet. Uh, Yes, you haven't. Uh, but hey, since we know how sorting
1: works, do you know how garbage collection works? Uh, just basically that it happens and you aren't supposed to do it on your own. That's about, about it. Pretty much, yeah.
0: So, uh, like, here's some more animations that, uh, like, sort of map out memory. And, like, how the various, uh, garbage collectors work. Uh, you know, it has the, uh, you know... Essentially, no garbage collection. Then we have the reference counting, uh, mark sweep, and mark compact, along
1: with the copying collector. I like the, the diagrams, the animated GIF images with the nice square blocks and everything. Yeah, that's that's look, that's amazing. It makes it look very computer-ishy. <laughs> it's like on the old... Uh, oh, Mainframes? Well, I, I don't know about mainframes, but I'm, I'm thinking, I think it was Windows 3.1. It had a scan disk utility. Maybe even 98 had it, I think. You'd go in and, like, boot into DOS in some way and run it. And then it'd come up with, like, a, a UI, and it was, like, blue screen and stuff in there. And it would have, like, a bar. It was all blocks. And then it would it would show your, your oh, it was, it was like a defragger or something. Yeah, the and disk defragger. Yeah, but but I I think this was one in, like, the, the DOS. It wasn't, like, the Windows one. It was I, the
0: DOS one. I, I recall Windows had it up until... Mm, Seven, was it? No. No, Vista the, didn't the block, have it either. The Block one uh, was up until, like, 98 or ME or so. Uh, oh. 2000 and XP had one where it was just, like, a solid bar. It didn't have a grid yeah.
1: of tiles. Are you talking the one in the Windows when you see the block one, though? Yeah, there... yeah. Yeah, okay. So, see, there there's one you could run from DOS. And that was, yeah, the, the the block one was fun to watch. I would sit there and watch the thing. It was kind of fun to watch it do its what's that thing. Uh, but there's one in DOS. Oh, what was it?
0: But, uh, hey, speaking about uh, blocks on the defrag, um, the defrag uh, that I use is Ultra Defrag, and it has a nice colorful grid on it.
1: They're so much fun to watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Although now with uh, hard drives being so big, it takes, you know, quite a long time.
1: (laughs) It does. Uh, So you wanted to appreciate something. Ah, right. So it's Bug Assault, which is a company slash guy that makes a shotgun that shoots salt that kills flies and other small pesky bugs such as that. And so the appreciate part of it is uh, internally there had been a gear that stripped out on me and I went to their website. I'd actually bought bought the gun from eBay, so I didn't even buy it from them directly. So I went to the website and to the repair section and I just filled out a form and they sent a fr- free replacement gear and had a nice video and everything of how to fix it myself. So I thought that was pretty nice that the company... Uh, stood behind their product and recognized that they had issues with their gear, and they offered a free repair for it as well. Plus, the gun's really fun if you. Yeah, it looks you're, like I know you were watching the videos. It's it's a really fun gun to use. So yeah, you just load it up with salt, and you just you know aim it at bugs and pull the trigger. Yes. When when I first got my gun, uh, it was back at the beginning of this summer. I It was, like, right when all the flies hatched out, and I had, like, 30 in my apartment, and I got in the mail, like, that day or the day after, and I just went to shooting at them, and they were all gone mostly within, like, two, three days. I had them all killed, <laughs> so it was fun. <laughs> and ever since, I've had, like, one or two flies the whole summer, and every time I see one, I go kill it really <laughs> fast. They don't last long. Oh, no, you didn't. No, I didn't What? Oh, telling them, oh no, you didn't fly around my apartment. Ah, yes, they didn't fly around anymore. It's nice. I, I haven't done too many flying shots, but it is possible. Like on the, you know, on the go as they're flying by you, you, you can blast the mid air. So, so let's talk about some feats. Um, this
0: feats. one, this one is sort of a uh, like a work in progress, I guess. That uh, uh so uh, one of our clients. They, uh, it was at the end of last week that, uh, apparently they noticed duplicate order files being uploaded. So, uh, due to the, uh, the company that they've contracted out with, apparently they're a big corporation and have that, uh, duplicate file names pose certain problems for them. Uh, right. so, uh, uh, like apparently when they get, uh, duplicates, like it sort of like freaks out and panics and sends an error message somewhere. Uh, so, you know, they came back and like, okay, we need to look at a few things. Uh, so it, after about three hours of picking at it, you know, I've noticed, you know, I looked at the uh, directory, uh, the archive directory, and I've noticed that, like, all of these files were created in the afternoon, like, after 12 p.m. There was, like, nothing happening at, like, 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is really odd. So I looked through and, uh, noticed that, uh, the timestamps on these files, uh, like there's a, you know, like essentially a formula, you know, for the file name. It's like, you know, something static and then underscore and then the date and the time. And that's the file name. So I noticed that the files were being generated with a 12 hour timestamp and not a 24 hour Uh, timestamp. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> and And because this uh you know job is scheduled to run every thirty minutes, you know every twelve hours you're going to overwrite everything,
1: which is why there' are none there from the morning,
0: yes, so we found this out, and uh unfortunately, it was a Friday, so you know no one felt comfortable with uh doing a code release on a friday um so you know it was suggested as a workaround uh to run the job every thirty one minutes instead of every thirty minutes.
1: I even an offset of the minute so it doesn't ever land in the same place yeah. twice. at uh-huh. least
0: at least during the same 24hour period yeah so that seems to have worked out pretty well uh, but now there's like another issue of files just not processing uh, wherever we send them to uh, so uh, we need to like figure out that or maybe not we uh, the other company needs to figure that out so uh, right now it's kind of on hold. So, like, maybe with the uh, the next code release for the client, we can include this along
1: with improved logging. Yeah, logging is always something that painful to do, but it always does help in the long run. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's uh, been a rather, how should I say, not stressful, but rather concerning uh, bug there.
1: Yeah, especially if, like, you know, end of the day Friday or something like that you're trying to figure it out, I, I can see how there's... This Friday coding, things always end up going. So so then uh, my
0: CEO calls me up and asks when uh, my car will be done uh, in order for me to, like, get it back into the office. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, I said, you know, well, sometime next week. Like, well, can you call and maybe get a little bit more definite estimate? So I call and they say Wednesday. And she's like, OK, let me talk to your manager about it. And turns out that it's okay for me to work from home up through tomorrow. Um, so, but that was before I figured out that twelve-hour timestamp thing. So I said, hey, maybe I should work from home more often.
1: <laughs> Helps you concentrate. I found that in when I'm working from home because it's, it's more quiet here in the trailer. This is where I work. And so, like, if I'm doing something really boring, like a spreadsheet, it goes better just because it's like less distractions and mm-hmm. stuff. Now, if I'm coding, like, I could probably work underwater and it wouldn't. (laughs) Like, like, when you actually get into the fun stuff, it doesn't matter where you're at. Yeah. For the boring stuff, it it can be nice to to work in a more quiet environment. Yeah. um, But I do miss Subway. Subway. You did seem like you went there quite a bit, judging from how how everyone was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, See, but, yeah, I can definitely attribute, uh, definitely testify to the uh, quietness Uh, I remember it was my, it was like four jobs ago, uh, that I was, you know, sitting and I was, you know, trying to, you know, do this one thing and it was like sort of in the afternoon and like where I was, it was an open floor, you know, cubicle room. And so sort of behind me, uh, was like a lead developer of like the, uh, of my team specifically, but other people, you know, uh, came to him for advice all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other side of me uh, was a QA person. And, you know, of course, they're always talking about bugs or whatever. Yes. And then sort of over on the other side was the uh, database uh, people. And, of course, everyone goes over to them to say, you know, oh, these are all the columns I need, you know, whatever. So I'm like, I need to get this done. I'd prefer if I got it done today. So it's like, okay, wait 10 minutes, you know, for everyone to leave, and then go back. So, five minutes later, everyone leaves. I'm happy. So, I get to work. A further 10 minutes later, everyone comes back. I'm like, no. A line was drawn, and it was crossed. So, I go to my manager and say, hey, can I work from home? I need to get... I want to get this thing done, but, you know, there's noise, and he's like, yeah, sure, that's okay, you know, so... I was amazingly productive for the last two hours of that day.
1: At work, I know sometimes I'll get people coming and asking random questions and stuff to you. So even that stuff, even though they aren't bad sometimes, sometimes it's good to have questions to break up the day, but it definitely cuts down your your time in the day. Pros and cons. So, hey, uh, how
0: about some podcast feedback? Uh, Ryan. It's always lovely to hear from uh, Ryan. Uh, He says, I I kind of wanted to make a webcam watcher thing with a Raspberry Pi. Roxy, my dog, runs around the house and I could watch her. I could probably use Python. Uh, Such a shame that TrueCrypt broke. Matt taught a class at Murray slash Old Middle School about encrypting files with TrueCrypt. So much for that.
1: So I just had a thought. Uh, You could put the, the pie on the dog. (laughs) <laughs> that would be
0: really funny. Well, as far as I can tell with the pictures, Roxy is a pretty small dog, so I'm uh, not sure how that would work out.
1: Pots are pretty small.
0: Yeah. seen a really small battery pack, tiny camera. So uh, Ryan says, I wouldn't mind downloading some copies of interesting research papal- papers, but they're all paywalled. Research papers probably aren't the issue anyway uh they might not be the main issue but they're a part of the issue uh with uh the important things just you know di- disappearing from library
1: archives remember what we were talking about that i i i remember talking about about it. i thought it would to do with the guy who like committed suicide or something cuz he downloaded uh, things that he wasn't supposed to, is that what that is referencing? Is uh, No, else? not, that's
0: Schwartz, that that wasn't exactly him, although he was working on rectifying the situation uh, it was the uh, uh, podcast last time about the Library of Congress you know, having all the CD-ROMs
1: Oh, and they were decaying Yes. Yes, okay, got it
0: So, and how the uh, the important things that you reference are the things that are most in danger of going away, whereas pirated things are not Is this true? Uh, So, uh, about the Oculus Rift, uh, the latency, your brain expects things to happen as it always expected. The dev kit, too, helped address some of that. The new Gear VR from Samsung has a QHD screen, which increases the resolution. Uh, So why did it take 50 milliseconds? Oh, okay, the... And it just stops. Uh, The... I believe that 50 milliseconds was referencing like uh, the initial uh, VR kits that uh, John Carmack
1: played around with. The ones that got him going to try and make it faster? Yeah. Uh, I remember something about that.
0: Yeah, apparently there was like some sort of post-processing and like other calculations that contributed to that 50 millisecond delay. Uh, So, you know, Carmack is like, okay, let's rip out all this out. But uh, So he called up I think it was Sony. And he's like, hey, could I have a copy of, like, your firmware for this device? And they just sent him it because he's John Carmack. (laughs) Uh, So Ryan said that Chris' story was amazing. So uh, thank you. Um,
1: Every every Chris story is amazing.
0: So when the three of us uh, got together the next time, which was probably, like, two days later after that podcast... I uh, asked Chris, so uh, tell Steve everything you know about hash tables. Uh, So Chris tried to summon the anger again that he threw at me, but he lacked blood to do so. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Because he had donated blood. blood. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was so funny.
0: So uh, Ryan said, uh, or asked, what color are you painting it? And I believe I mentioned a metallic slash sparkly blue, just the way it was. Uh, Ryan adds, I don't know how you could write external unit tests for a private method without icky reflection. Maybe I have too much PHP. Was that reference to something I had said about unit
1: testing code? Uh,
0: yeah, you said like a manager wanted you to also write, uh, you know, unit tests for private methods.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay, that is what I thought it was. Yeah, that has to do with the, in the Microsoft.net. Uh, The testing library, I think it's up to 2010, they support uh, its... Visual Studio, that is? Yeah, Visual Studio. There's an accessor for each object that you can make, and so it would be like, say, if your test class is what it's called, then it's making up. So it would be test class underscore accessor, and then it kind of lets you access fields and private methods on it. So it probably does use reflection under the hood, but it's magic from the top. Microsoft actually has done away with that. The newer versions of Visual Studio that doesn't exist anymore, so it's going away. Which is why I didn't want to use it. So, uh, if
0: you would like to uh, submit some feedback, uh, go ahead and submit that on the Nexus.tv, TV, uh, like right on the uh, uh, show note page. Special thanks to the Blake Robinson Synthetic Orchestra for the music. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so maybe build your seventy-one terabyte NAS. Uh, so, let's see, coming up, uh, coming up this week, uh, I will be getting my car back, uh, hopefully, and, uh, I can start driving around again. Yay! Um, so, hopefully, uh, some of the road construction that was taking place has, uh, cleared up. <laughs> I so. don't know,
1: there's, there's been road construction on a, a road down at South Point for the past, like, whole summer, and the whole road's been closed. Ooh, Um, like, have you noticed the stuff that they've been doing on 79? Um, I'm trying to think. I I don't actually remember stuff on 79. Like, down in Pittsburgh, 376 has had a lot of construction on it. Yeah. Uh, that's,
0: that's sort of, like, my territory right there. Um, like, I've noticed, like, you know, it's, like, 9 o'clock at at night, about 10 o'clock or so. I'm like, yeah, the, uh, freeway should be all cleared up. Uh-huh. Because the lanes are closed because they're repaving it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, okay, this is not what
1: I wanted. It, it's nasty going through there. And then, then the one night, oh, that was last week. I was down for the, it was like the Monday and the Tuesday. And I I brought my brother down with me because I was just stayed for like the two days. And I was driving down. And when I got to the place where I should go into the Fort Pitt Tunnel, Instead, like the whole road was closed going in on 376, and so I had to go out and around and guesstimate where I had to go, because I didn't have my GPS, so I just drove until I saw a sign that said West something, and I took it. Uh, the <laughs> West End? It may have been... It was some other bridge a little bit for the, further north up the river from the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That,
0: yeah, that sounds like the West End.
1: Okay. So I, I just went, and then I said, okay, that kind of goes the direction I need. We'll try so, it. So I remember,
0: uh, like, accidentally wandering into downtown one night, and I'm like, okay, just take 376 West, and you'll just be home for... Oh, uh, why is the tunnel closed? <laughs> So, thing. so, I had to, like, waste 45 minutes of my life, like, being stuck on that one side of the river, slowly inching towards, mm-hmm. you know, that west end to turn around to come back down.
1: It's just not any fun down there.
0: So, but, uh, yeah, I hope that uh, the people from Minnesota or uh, Sweden listening to this uh, enjoy the descriptions of Pittsburgh roads. <laughs> Yeah, apparently uh, one guy in the network is now over in Sweden, uh, in like, Sweden. studying. So ah, interesting. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. Uh, how about you?
1: Well, I've been working on the, the Raspberry Pi furnace monitoring system, which appears to have died today, though, because he went offline and a power reset did not bring him back online. So I have to pull the can open and see what's going on inside of there. Um, still been working at home. That's been going good. That's uh, good. Picked picked some pears tonight after our pear tree. So, yep, yeah, them busy. So uh,
0: yeah, I, uh, when I went to the grocery store, I picked up a four-pound carton of strawberries. There you go. That's a lot of strawberries. They were delicious.
1: Mm, strawberries
0: are good. And I also got some table grapes as well. So, um, and also some peanuts. So I'm kind of known for my peanuts at
1: work. Um, I remember that every time your manager comes by, you pick up a nut. <laughs> <laughs> or every time I wanted to
0: see the manager, I would uh, touch the peanuts.
1: <laughs> That's how you call the manager. You, you, you pick up your peanuts and
0: and and I'm pretty sure that we were just under misunderstood right there.
1: So <laughs> probably. So
0: before we make any other sort of embarrassing remarks, uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, close this. Uh, so have a good one.
1: You too.